Good afternoon. Welcome in to the Boulevard Brewing Company post-game drink after a 35-14 loss by Missouri to Texas A&M um, in a game that honestly wasn't really anywhere near that close. I'm never sure what to think of this show. It usually ends up with me kind of trying to talk you guys down and tell you it's not as bad as it seems and there were things to like and all that. Um, today might be different because I, I think some people will try to cling to the fact that after the first quarter, this game was 14 to 14 and Missouri had some chances and the score doesn't look that bad and this and that. If that's the way you want to feel, you're welcome to feel that way. I just happen to wholeheartedly disagree. Interest of full disclosure, I've had my column written since halftime. Um, to me, if the race is over 15 yards in, it doesn't really matter what you do in the last 85 yards. In the first quarter of back-to-back -back SEC games, Missouri has been outscored 49-3. to In the last three quarters of those games, there has not been one second where it appeared Missouri was going to make a game close. They are coming out of the locker room unprepared, undisciplined, and uncompetitive. Um, this can't be explained by a mere talent gap. Uh, it's no longer okay to just say, well, the old guy didn't leave anything. That doesn't explain what this team has done the last two SEC games. Um, I thought when they came out and said they really liked the competitiveness and they saw a lot of good signs in the defensive line after the North Texas game, I thought that was overselling it to try to convince us and themselves that anything had been fixed. Um, that looks like it's accurate after today. Very little was, uh, was fixed, to be quite honest. Um, this was a team that can't stop anybody on defense that doesn't really have any sort of a big play threat on offense and that has one high-level player at this point in time on either side of the football, and that's Tyler Beatty. Um, that game for most of today looked to me like Texas A&M was going through a spring scrimmage against, I don't know, like some Division II team in Texas. Uh, Missouri wasn't competitive. It was uh, in, in any sense of that game, at no point. They didn't make A&M work. Um, that, was, that was easy. And A&M is a good team. Don't get me wrong. They're not elite. They're not great. But they're a good team. They're a better team than Missouri. Uh, but this was, you thought you wouldn't see Tennessee happen again. And for all intents and purposes, Tennessee kind of happened again. I know the final score was closer. But the first quarter of this game was every bit as bad as the first quarter of the Tennessee game. And again, just nothing after that mattered. The last three quarters of this game today didn't matter. It was over after, it wasn't over after 15 minutes. This was over after seven minutes, guys. Before we get rolling, I do want to um, give our thanks to Boulevard Brewing Company for being a sponsor of this show. 
every single week. We take your calls. We break down the game for as long as it takes. That is doable because Boulevard has been a partner of ours for a couple of years now. Obviously, they've got plenty of uh, good beers. It's it's getting hey, they're they're Bob's Forty Seven. Their Oktoberfest is out now. It's getting into like stout territory. Some bourbon barrel quads. They've got all those. They also have uh, the cork seltzers, um, the fling cocktails. Any of that, you guys can get that at any grocery store in town. I actually saw. Uh, for those of you who are trying to cut down on the alcohol consumption, they've got a non-alcoholic IPA coming out pretty soon that I, I think might be uh, worth trying for those who want the taste of beer without the beer. So all that stuff from Boulevard, we appreciate their partnership and their sponsorship on this show. Uh, we are going to get into your comments and your calls and your questions in a minute. I do want to tell you when I put up the phone number here in a few minutes, I asked two things of you. First of all, just wait for me to call out your area code or your phone number. And second of all, when you call in, wherever you're listening, whatever, please put it on mute. Uh, we can't have the echoes. We can't have the kids screaming in the background because I don't have the ability to mute your line. So I need you to be able to mute yourself until it is time to talk. Otherwise, I'm, I'm going to have to end up cutting you off. We will get to the calls in a minute. just want to look at some of the numbers. Uh, Missouri is season low in total offense at 328. It, it really nothing worked. I mean, Tyler Beatty had a really nice 32-yard touchdown run. There were a few plays here and there. But overall, um, saw a lot of drops today. Saw some just really bad throws, like Hunter Bazelak was just off target. Saw some miscommunication. Saw two first-quarter interceptions. Could have been three if not for a defensive penalty. Uh, A&M had 431 yards. It was largely only that because they only had to throw for 148. Because as the guys on the SEC halftime show said, I don't really know why you do anything except hand the ball off against Missouri. A&M ran for 283. They averaged 6.7 per carry. Um, just giant gaping holes again. Just guys not touched. Um, it's the talent. It's the scheme. It's everything. Let's look at, at a few more, like, uh, deeper stats. Zach Calzada was like fine. I, he didn't really have, he didn't do anything and he didn't really have to do anything. Isaiah Spiller, 20 for 168 and a touchdown. Devon A-Chain, 16 for 124 and two touchdowns, including a, what I thought was kind of the play that was indicative of this game. A 20-yard touchdown run on a third and 15. That just, I mean, that play just summed up everything that Missouri's defense has been this year. Um, no A&M receiver had more than 34 yards. Tyler Beatty, once again, you know, one of Missouri's leading receivers. Towski Dove had five catches for 65 yards, showed some nice things. Chance Looper, six for 40, but he had two drops at least. Um, actually, it looks like maybe the, the box score has him with three. Uh, I don't know. There just wasn't much to like, guys. I, I don't. Um, I'm more interested in hearing what you have to say because this is as as it, don't get me wrong. This is not as bad as Tennessee. I just didn't think we would see anything approaching Tennessee again, and we saw it today. I mean, this was it wasn't as bad as Tennessee, but it definitely approached Tennessee as far as how ugly it was. I thought, and that I, I think should be very discouraging. Uh, for Missouri fans out there because I it 
I, I just thought I saw a team that there's something going on that I don't understand um, because the, the talent gap alone does not explain this. Um, so I'm going to open up the phone lines now. If you want to give us a call on our Skype line at 573-234-4935, you can do so. We will uh, we will take your calls. Brian is asking if he missed the postgame presser. Uh, look, we don't we're not playing it on the show this year because the postgame is in person. Mitch and Joel are over there at the stadium. I don't have access to the postgame press conference. We will have it posted on the site later, but I don't have it right now. So we just start this show immediately after the game while those guys are doing postgame. Uh, so no, you didn't miss it here. You will see it later um, if you you know follow. I'm sure Mitch has a thread going on the board about it right now um but no it, it it was not played here so once again we've got the phone lines open here on the post game drink at 573-234-4935 if you want to call in we certainly will take your calls i mean i am perfectly capable of talking for you know an hour after this uh after this game if you would like me to i don't think anyone would particularly enjoy that and um I, I am reading a couple of things uh, from Drinkwitz's postgame from Mitchell. He says, quote, the slow start doomed us. I, I mean, I think that's obvious. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to it. We're going to go to the phone line and the 618 area code. First caller of the day. Who am I talking to? Hey, Gabe. It's Travis in Southern Illinois. What's up, Travis? How are you, man? Oh, a little down right now, you know, but life goes on. I yep. guess. My question for you is, did you see on the message board where a former assistant under OM was uh, making some comments, and I was just wondering what your thoughts on all that was? Yeah, that was Austin Carter Samuels, who was apparently, um, he was the, believe it or not, this was the actual title, the Director of Culture, I believe, under Barry Odom. or culture and development or something like that. I don't know exactly what it said, but it basically said Drinkwitz didn't treat everybody right and all the blame that Odom got wasn't fair. And look, I don't know if he's right or wrong, but I'm not sure Austin Carter Samuels is the guy that needs to be on Twitter saying that. Um, You know, I, I can't say how Eli treated everybody in the program. I will say this. In the last couple weeks, this has shifted from Barry Odom gets most of the blame to, no, this this can't all be explained by Barry Odom and not recruiting well enough. It, it just can't. Uh, it, the talent isn't this bad. So I don't really know, um, you know, the specifics of what Austin was talking about, obviously, because I'm not in those walls. But again, a guy who got fired basically by the new coach, I, I don't know if he's the if he's the right guy to be airing that on social media. Right. I mean, my whole thing is I know the talent gap is huge, but it looks like, I mean, there's something off. Uh, there's not a lot. Of, it seems like the players are just checked out. I didn't know if something weird was going on behind the scenes. I just didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I, that's basically what I wrote my column on. I don't know either because I'm not in those walls, right? I have heard nothing that leads me to believe there's some mass mutiny or anything. But watching that game, it is very – I mean, I, I said in the second quarter to some people, I said, this team looks broken. Like, it, it just – something is broken here. And I don't know what it is, but this is not explainable simply by they have better players. It's more than that at this point. Yeah, and the game was over 
halfway through the first quarter. It's yep. hard to watch a football game, and you just know that the game's over. Yeah, and it's the second time in three weeks that's been the case. I mean, seven minutes and five seconds in, it was 14 nothing, and you knew Missouri had no chance to win the game. And A&M knew it, too. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Gabe. I appreciate it. All right, Travis. Thanks, man. Thanks for the call. And uh, let's stay on the phone lines. 314 area code. You there with me? 314, do I have you on the phone? Hey, yeah, my name is Paul. How you doing? Not bad. What's going on, man? How are you, Paul? I'm doing all right. I'm just here to kind of complain about what i just seen. Yeah. Uh, like, I was just listening to you. It's more than just uh, Barry Odom's recruiting at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, at one, what, what point are you going to realize maybe not playing, maybe playing a 4-3 defense is better than uh, running a nickel defense? And at what point are you planning to take out the quarterback when you see that he can't throw the ball on the line at any point in the game, whether it's a five-yard pass or zip the ball in there, I mean, five-yard pass or 20-yard pass when they're playing two safeties over the top. You can't just lob the ball up there and give him a chance to pick it off almost every time. I don't know what you think about that. I'll just listen. Yeah, I think. I mean, as far as the the 4-3 versus the 4-2-5, Different defensive schemes can work. I, I'm not against the 4-2-5 as a concept, but what Missouri's doing this year clearly isn't working. So if you want to change it, fine. And I honestly kind of feel the same way about the quarterback. Up until today, I've said, look, he, he's fine. I don't think it's his fault. Even after today, he's, yes, Connor Bazelak deserves some blame, but this team has bigger problems than the quarterback. But also after that first quarter, I think it was time to just try something different. I don't care if it's Brady Cook. I don't care if it's Tyler Macon. I don't care if you go to Basilak and say, look, you're going to start next week. But we just need to try see if we can get a spark from something because this isn't working. I mean, he was bad today. Um, there, from the very beginning, he was bad. Um, the offense just didn't – I. they've looked – I don't know what the right word is – disinterested or incapable or frankly kind of boring uh, the last few weeks I don't really know what how the right way to put it into words and I don't think pulling Connor Bazelak and inserting one of the backups is going to fix everything that's wrong with this team but I also would not have been against it today the way things were going I was I, I'm not sure what has to happen to get a look at another quarterback um, but it seems pretty obvious it's not going to happen this year So I think Paul was uh I think Paul was just going to hang up and listen but I no overall Paul I agree with your agree with your thoughts man. Um I think you're I think you're straight on. Um you know again I I don't know that the defensive scheme is the problem but the one they're running isn't working. So do something different. I don't care if it's a new scheme, if it's new players, I don't care if it's like you blitz all 11 guys on every snap whatever. What you're doing isn't working. So trying something else the only result that could come from trying something else is that that also didn't work, and that would be fine. I mean, you know, if, if that also didn't work, okay, but at least you've tried something different. Um, right now, we're just trying the same thing over and over, and uh, and none of it is working. So that's where we're at, to be quite honest. Uh, anybody that wants to call in, uh, and, and look, guys, I, I, I say every week, I'm not sure what to expect out of this show, and, and I kind of thought, hey, this might be trouble because a lot of people checked out in the first quarter of that game, right? Um, so let's jump back to the phone line at, at 31, the 314 area code. Who's on the line? Hey, 
Hey, Gabe. This is uh, Jeff in St. Louis. What's up, Jeff? How you doing, man? Good. Uh, so is it clear to uh, take a guess that uh, Derek Woods is on the clock and that he's got to show improvement the remainder of this year and the third year to get a fourth year? Well, the problem with that is I, I think – I saw yesterday, I think Missouri's buyout right now is somewhere around $11 million. That would drop next year, but I'm guessing to like nine or something like that. They owe him a whole lot of money. I And no, I, I mean – Okay, if he ends up, you know, four and eight this year and three and nine next year, is it possible he's on the hot seat? Yes, but that costs them so much money. I'll be honest, they need him to be good, or they at least need him to to get this thing going back the right direction. And I think they need to give him time to do it. Barring like NCAA trouble, no, I I don't think he's on the hot seat next year. Now. That if if the bottom completely falls out, I could be wrong, but but as of now, I don't really think that's the case. So then, his only options is basically turn over his staff, get rid of Wilkes, get rid of some of these assistants, bring in somebody new, or just you know recruit better players. And hey, yeah, whether it's I mean I don't know if it's the the coaching staff personnel, the messaging from the coaching staff needs to change, but. Maybe it's just as simple as he needs more players to do what he wants to do. I mean, for Missouri fans, the much better alternative is that he takes a couple years and gets this thing going rather than you fire him and then go just try another guy. Like, we're not to the point of having that discussion yet. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like he's playing any of the new guys. I mean, if if he wants to go that approach, then why not play some of these freshmen? I mean, I kind of agree, but maybe he's looking and saying, hey, we can't do anything this year anyway, so I'm going to save all the red shirts and I'm just going to play them all next year. I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate there because I agree with you. I would have played Brady Cook today or Tyler Macon or both. I would have Elijah Young on the field somewhere, B.J. Harris on the field somewhere, you know, but I I would have Damian Wilson and Zach Lovett playing some linebacker, to be quite honest, but – I don't. I, I'm not sure on that. To be to be quite frank with you, I don't think it's it's. Uh, I don't think you're wrong. I'm just trying to maybe present what the other side possibly could be. Okay. Thanks, kid. All right, Jeff. Have a good one, man. Let's uh, let's go now to the nine one seven area code. You with me? Uh, yeah. Give this a Joe. Hey, Joe. How you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing all right. Uh, so first of all, I agree with. Uh, everything that you've said and others have said about maybe it's time to sit basil like down just in terms of confidence and mm-hmm. um, you know he's just he's just been off in terms of his throws several drives ended today when he just flat out overthrew a receiver by 10 yards uh, but separate from that uh, my question is you know bouncing off something that Mitchell already put in the post about um, the post game conference drink it was asked whether Basilak physically compromised, and his answer is, I don't think so. Yeah. I saw it today. I saw Basilak with my own eyes, limping. Yes. Uh, and that's not the first time that I've seen him do that. He did that uh, at least either last week or two weeks ago. He's physically limping, like, visible and, to my eyes. Right. So it can't be that he's not hurt. And and, uh, and, and Drinkwitz, so, Drinkwitz. So I guess the question is, what do you do? Yeah, Drinkwitz also said on Tiger Talk this week that Connor was banged up. I mean, he said it out loud, right? So it can't be. It's it's one of the two. It it I I don't really know um, 
which one is the which one is the case um you know but it can't be yeah he's fine and he's hurt depending on the audience you're talking to i mean that that's just not how it works so um I agree with you. There was one play in the fourth quarter where it looked obvious to me that Connor Bazelak was visibly limping. Uh, and look, if if he still gives you the best chance to win, in your opinion, then fine. I guess throw him out there. But I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's fair to the kid. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I'm not an expert on quarterback play, but it seems to me like one of the issues with him overthrowing receivers might be that he's not comfortable planting on that leg, right? Like, that might be part of it. And, I'm, you know, we've talked about this before all season, but, you know, he doesn't present any sort of running threat at all. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because of where he is naturally or whether that's because also of him being banged up. But I think at this point you got to take a look at putting somebody else in there at least until he can get his head on straight and maybe try to get healthy. Yeah, I agree because I think at this point you're right. I think confidence is an issue, and and you wonder about just long term. You know, I that's why today I would have just said, "Hey, it's twenty one nothing, man. We're going to give somebody else a look. It's it's not we're not benching you. You're going to play next week, assuming you're healthy. But it doesn't make sense to run you out here in a game that's already over. That's why I would have done it today. But Drinkwood said, "No, he's not going to do it. So hey, he's the coach. He gets to make that call." All right, thanks, man. Appreciate you taking the call. All right, appreciate you for uh, for calling in. Let's go to the three zero nine area code. Who am I talking to? Hey, Gabe, this is Dalton. How are you? Not bad. What's up, Dalton? Hey, not much. You know, I, I live up in Chicago, and I, I think I want to. I saw something for years up here when when Jay Belker was the quarterback. Uh, they went through a total of six different offensive coordinators during mm-hmm. the. Uh, the uh, Jay Cutler era, and the same common denominator every single year was was Jay Cutler, right? And every year they're trying to roll out new guys here, and I know everybody wants to go against Steve Wilkes and all this. All I gotta say is, I thought the offensive line performed much, much, much worse than the defensive line today, and yeah. I don't even really think it was that close. The offensive line was putrid. Yeah, and I don't think this team has a good offensive line. I think it was up and down last year, and their best offensive lineman went pro and is actually playing up in your town now. Um, So, yeah, I agree. The offensive line was not good. I think the offense today was every bit as big of a problem as the defense, which is concerning because the defense was still a problem. Well, you, you, we talk about slow starts. The, the game was over in the first seven minutes because Connor two, threw two terrible picks. Mm-hmm. This this team has such a low margin of error that the quarter like this game is like needs to play borderline Beamer ball. You know, control yeah. the offense, little dink and dunks. Connor can't throw it deep. Don't make the team if they're going to score a touchdown. Make them go a ten play, twelve play, seventy five yards. You can't give them two picks in the first seven minutes. I mean, the game's over. Yeah, I mean, that's where the game was over. It wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, the defense gave. You know, the defense. You know, we, we know what the defense is. Okay, we don't need to talk about the defense. We know what it is. The offense can't have Connor out there throwing two plays. You know, past the sticks, and they're both picks. I mean, it, it can't function. Yeah. I, no, I look. And, you're right. And my. Yeah. Oh, and I was just gonna say. You know, I I don't know if you saw the ESPN comment during. Uh, it was. It was sometime after that third and seventeen um, mm-hmm. play, 
But basically, they they essentially said that Drink essentially begged Steve Wilkes to come out of retirement. And I got to be honest, I've watched Demonte Cross, Barry Odom, Ryan Walters, now Steve Wilkes. I've seen four different players to kind of go back to that J color. Mm-hmm. The players are the same. I this is I'm not saying that everything's about talent, but we got to stop just trying to change over new head coaches or new defensive coordinators every other year and think everything's going to be okay. Like it's a Jimmy's and Joe's game. And I'm still seeing Chris Turner, who's been with three different defensive coordinators in his six year playing at Mizzou, still making the exact same mistakes he was making four years ago. So at what time do we start saying, Hey, you know what? Maybe it's not the guy that coached in the NFL. Maybe it's actually some players that, that, that are truly not SEC caliber players. And I think you can tell that when we're starting a true freshman at defensive tackle, we're starting a career quarterback at safety, and we're starting two Tulsa corners and a uh, right linebacker. I mean, at, at what point did the, 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 the coach drink told us what he thought about this defense in the offseason, going out and getting everybody he could on the defensive side. And these guys just clearly haven't played off. So that's obviously on him. But it said everything in the offseason about where this defensive talent's actually at. I, I think a lot of what you say is true, and I agree. It's it's not all the coaches. It's not all the talent either, but it's not all the coaches. But here's what's concerning to me. These defensive players are actually worse than they've been previously. I mean, Trajan Jeffcoat is making fewer plays. I don't know if Kobe Whiteside played in the game today. Isaiah McGuire made two or three plays early. Um, Devin Nicholson is clearly a worse player than he's been the last couple of years. Now, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with not lining up to Nick Bolton next to Nick Bolton, but still, Martez Manuel is making fewer plays than he has in the past. I mean, these guys are... I, I'm not saying that Missouri has all SEC talent lining the field on defense, but they're better than this. I, I mean, they're they're better than just getting completely run off the field by the last two teams they, they've played in SEC games. No, and, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. What, what, what I have a problem with is that everybody wants to make excuses for so many of the players. And it's like, I, I think if you're hiring somebody like Steve Wilkes and you're paying him, what is it? It's a two-year, $2.4 million contract. Correct. I think that's right. It's a yeah. performance bonus or whatever. Okay, if you're paying a guy like that, you're bringing him in saying, listen, this defense is not where we know. The talent's not there. You're going to – you have time to implement your system. You know, I saw Mitchell Forty in his halftime post said, well, you know, maybe Steve doesn't make it to the end of the year. I'll tell you what, you can switch to whatever defense you want. It, it won't matter. It won't matter. This team actually needs a, both a talent and a consistency. I mean, you, you said it yourself. Kobe Whiteside, where's he been? I'll tell you where he's been. Jordan Elliott left, and we haven't yeah. seen him. Devin Nicholson, where he's been. Nick Bolt. We had a couple of these guys that were able to cover up a lot of cracks. They're gone. We need to bring new guys in, and we need to actually have a scheme that maybe stays consistent more than a year or two. Or the next year, it's not like anyone's – is there anyone coming back next year where you go, yep, that's going to 100% make our defense better? No. Right. No, it's not there. And, you know, and, I, and I'm more concerned personally with the offensive line. The offensive line actually has – uh, they actually has some players out there. Michael Mayotti. I mean, he got two holding penalties in the first, you know, what two drives? Like, that guy's got fifty plus starts. I'm yeah, but him. but also about- also, you know why he's still in college? Because he can't play in the NFL. I mean, he's in his sixth year in college. Exactly. Because he can't exactly. play in the NFL. Exactly. Yeah, you're no, you're I mean, you're spot on. I mean, it's just 
I, you know what? I think drinks a really good offensive line. We can say whatever we want. We can talk about getting the team up. We can say all these things, and that's fine. We, uh, we can have that debate. There is no debate. He has been one of the most successful offensive coaches in the country the last five-plus years. Okay? He's telling you everything you need to know about this offense in terms of right now, which is Connor either cannot physically throw the ball deep and the offensive line cannot block deep or cannot pass pro worth anything. So, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, at that point, it's like the coach is telling you everything you need to know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, again, I think we keep coming back to the same place where we disagree. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but the talent alone does not explain being this bad. The scheme alone doesn't either, and I'm not saying fire anybody. I, I don't really care if they fire anybody. It's not all on one thing. It's a combination of multiple things, but I have seen these players on this team be better than they are right now, and that is a coaching thing. And and coming out and getting outscored in the first quarter of your last two SEC games, 49-3, to that is a coaching thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean – I'm not 100% disagreeing with you. I, I just I, I'm kind of I'm kind of at my wits end where it's like everyone who wants yeah. to blame the coach, and we've had four different coaches on the defensive side. And it's like eventually someone's got to say, you know what, you you got to have better players. I don't know who the Georgia defensive coordinator is though, but I guarantee if you brought him in, he would have looked that much better. And right. I'm watching Georgia right now, and, and they got a bunch of freaks flying. Around. Right, and if Steve Wilkes was coordinating the Georgia defense, he would look a lot better than he does. There's no question about that. No question. Yep, yep. So. All right, anyway, I'm taking enough of your time. Thank you. All right, Dalton, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Let's go now to the uh, 404 area code. You still with me? 404, you on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. Are you there? Yeah, who am I talking to? All right, speaking of Eric, so here we are, man. The call in last weekend, I'm just saying yep. your thoughts on – I agree with everyone. The defense, the talent is not that bad. I really do yeah. believe that the defense uh, is getting highlighted because it's getting put in bad situations. I think Drink needs to add an old coordinator and release the play calling. What are your thoughts on that? Because I think that uh, that defense does not need to be on the field. I would love to see the numbers on the amount of time that the defense spent on the field versus the amount of time that the offense spent on the field. And yeah. the defense we know is bad. Instead of keep, you know, knocking them while they're down, they're bad, right? Right. So we want to minimize the opportunities that they have. And to do that, the plays that he's calling is not milking the clock. It's not giving them time to breathe. If any, And I thought of another thing. If, if any of those defensive players have a, a sting or a buzz or something like that, they need trainer assistance, they don't even have time on the sideline for the trainer to even, even address a, a, a light injury because he's going three and out so fast and he's not utilizing the clock with his scheme. And I understand – the scheme and what he's trying to do, but there's a certain truth where you, one, you don't have the quarterback, the personnel, the line blocking to do the scheme that you're trying to do. You have to accept that. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you are hurting that defense, not allowing them time to get air, not allowing them time to get, you know, uh, trainer treatment on the side, not allowing them to mentally, you know, just get a break to go right back in there to get scored on right back again. So I just want your thoughts on it. And to me, it's frustrating because that's kind of old school 
football IQ a little bit, which kind of scares so, me that if, if he knows his defense is that bad, why would he continue to – and he's playing, at a, he's playing at an upbeat pace where he's getting back on the ball. The defense has got scored on him. He comes down, he's rushing the clock to run through these three plays as if they don't need time to recuperate. And I just wanted to get your thoughts and the listeners' thoughts on that. Okay, so, Eric, I've got the numbers you want from today. And I'm going to read you these numbers, and then I'm going to let you kind of react before we talk for today. Uh, you still there with me? Okay, I think Eric hung up on me. But um, So he was asking time of possession. Wasn't a problem today. Missouri had the ball for 30 minutes and 3 seconds. A&M had the ball for 29 minutes and 57 seconds. And I'm telling you from watching the Kansas City Chiefs the last four years on offense, time of possession doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is how efficient you are and what you're doing with the ball. Here is the issue. Here is the number that beat Missouri and that beats Missouri in a lot of games. Average yards per play, Missouri 4.5, Texas A&M 6.4. That's the number that matters. A&M is averaging two yards more per play than Missouri is. It is not an issue of how many plays they're running. Missouri ran 73 plays, A&M ran 67. It is not a matter of how much time between plays. Missouri had the ball longer than A&M. The issue is what they're doing with those plays and with those drives, and Missouri is allowing a ridiculous amount of yards per play defensively, and they are not getting anywhere near that same amount of yards per play offensively. Let's go back now to 618 area code. Who's on the Who's on the phone with me? Hey, Gabe, but this is a great show. I mean, this is the best part of my Mizzou Saturday every week. I appreciate it. Um, appreciate it, man. Who am I talking to? Uh, my name's Keith. I was on my, I'm on my way back from the, the game in Columbia. I'm, I'm okay. back to St. Louis. And it occurs to me how, how it's not quite as crowded each Saturday because, you know, you're going to get fewer yeah. and fewer people to make these trips with this kind of performance going on. I'm sitting there with myself and a bunch of alumni today, and we're watching the game. And there's just the, right out of the bat. I mean, later on, they, they seem to give a little effort after the second half, you know, to start the third quarter. But there just didn't seem to be any effort that first quarter, same as the Tennessee game. You mentioned how badly they got outscored. And I just, you know, I mean, we're just sitting there. We're, we're, the group of us is just ready for Drake to be gone. I mean, the guy might be able to recruit, but it's obvious he's not any kind of game day coach. Yeah, I mean – I, I'm just going to be honest. You can't fire a dude every two years. Like, you're never going to be any good if you do that. Um, I understand that the general college football fan these days, the reaction is, if we're not as good as we think we are, we have to fire the coach today. It, this is not exclusive to Missouri fans. And, Keith, I'm not trying to insult you by saying that. But it is the general sports fan reaction. This isn't going to work we're, we're, if they fire somebody every two years. We've been watching this, though. You know, I, I, I can go back to, to uh, uh, Alana Freya. So we're going back to uh, watching, you know, Bob Stahl or Woody Woodenhofer. And we always, Mizzou always hangs on to those guys for that fourth and fifth year. They just hang on. And at the end of it, you always think to yourself, well, we wasted our time. You know, bloody hell, we should have gone ahead and cut bait when we had a chance. You know, All right, Maybe Keith. We need to be a little bit more ruthless. Keith, let me ask you a question. Would you have fired Gary Pinkle after he went 5-7 and seven in 2004? It was his fourth year. He'd had three losing seasons. He lost six games in a row that year. Would you have fired him? That's a, 
that's a great question. That's a great question. I understand where you're coming from. I, I you know, I tell you what. In hindsight, it's hard to say. I would say this: um, he didn't seem to have teams that came out and didn't give effort like Drinkwitz does. That's the difference. Um. Maybe. I'll say that last game in 2001 was a 55-7 loss to Michigan State. It was his first year. Um, the 2004 season, I remember that was the year where, like, Damian Nash was in a fight with the offensive coordinator. Missouri blew, like, right. it, they got up 14 nothing on K-State, lost 24-14. I mean, that was a bad year. And now I will say this. I wouldn't have fired Gary after 2004. I'd have fired him. At, I, I honestly thought it might be better to fire him after 2012 because I thought that was a program on the decline. I was 100% wrong on that. And look, I'm not saying if you keep Drinkwitz that you're going to turn in, that he's going to turn into pink. I have no idea. You might keep Drinkwitz in three years from now. We might be looking at a dude that's 10 games under 500, and you might be absolutely right. Hey, we should have fired him three years ago. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Well, first of all, again, Missouri owes him $11 million if they fire him. There is zero That's chance true. it's happening. Zero chance. Like, not very little it chance. Feels, zero. It feels like it feels like Bob stole 2.0. It just does. I, I understand. Mr. And you offense, might be. I, Mr. Offense, I could go out there and take it to anybody. I'm this great offensive mind, but I'm really not. You might be right. Now, I'll say here's a difference. when I Because I grew up on those Bob Stoll teams, and they actually did have pretty good offense. Like, Kent Kiefer throwing to Lindsey Collins and Damon Mays and Byron Chamberlain and A.J. O'Fadley. Like, that was a fun offense to watch. Now, they couldn't stop anybody. They got, But they got beat like 48-44 a lot. This team right now, I'm not seeing the offense. Now, that doesn't mean that Drinkwood knows what he's doing, and once he gets his guys, it won't get better. Um, but, no, look – I understand. You may be right. You may be right about Drinkwitz. And in two years, it, it might look like it should have been a move that was made today. I'm just telling you, it's it, there's zero chance it's happening for at least he's getting this year, he's getting next year, and he's probably getting the one after that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I love the show, though, Gabe. Thanks. All right, Keith. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, appreciate everybody who so far has been a part of it and, and certainly welcome you to call in. And, and look – I, I appreciate Keith and, and Eric and all the guys who have called in. This has been very reasonable discussion, right? Trust me, I am as down on this team as you are. You're going to know that when I when you read my postgame column. Like, my postgame column is going to make people over at the football offices fairly unhappy with me, I assume. That's fine. I, I've, I've got no issue with that because I write what I think after the games, and this is what I think. Um, so... Me and the callers are probably not all that far apart. I'm doing two things. First of all, I'm just trying to present an alternative viewpoint. Not, I'm not even saying I necessarily believe that, but I'm trying to get you to look at it from another side of, okay, I see what you're saying here. Um, and again, I don't think we're that far apart. I'm also just telling you what is going to happen. Like Eli Drinkwitz's job is not in jeopardy. I think Steve Wilkes' job is in jeopardy. I think Steve Wilkes' job could be in jeopardy as soon as tomorrow morning. But I don't think Eli Drinkwitz is this. So we're going to go back to the phone line. We're going to go to the 573 area code. Who am I talking to? Uh, hey, Gabe. This is Luke. What's up, Luke? How are you, man? I'm doing all right. What's on your mind? Yeah, so, hey. Yeah, I called in today. I was thinking, um, just looking back at the season now, I think Drinkwitz realized a little bit sooner than the average fan what he had on his team. Yeah. Because it's just – 
it's like he's not even really pushing anymore. So the end of the half, that drive, he just kind of conceded. Yeah. It's like if you actually think you can win this game, what does it matter if you punt it back and A&M scores again? You're going to lose if you don't score on that drive. You're, yes. Like, he just seems like he's trying to get to next year where he can, and even I've been following the press conference kind of on Twitter a little bit, mm-hmm. and he seems to be more candid than he has before and is just talking about recruiting. He he knows what he has. He knows. He realized that a long time before we did, mm-hmm. and this is just him trying to bridge that gap between when he thinks he can get the players to run his scheme on offense. He thinks he can yeah. get the players on defense to not get blown five yards off the ball every play. It's it seems like he's just given up a little bit on the season, whereas the fans still want to see more. Yeah, I uh, so I, I think given up might be a little bit too strong of a term, but I understand where you're coming from, and and I'm just this is what I wrote in in my column that's going to go up after this show. At one point, I, part of it I said. Drinkwitz had so little faith in his offense that after taking over on his own 18-yard line with a minute 28 left in the first half and all three timeouts, he called two running plays followed by two passes to the running back. He had no belief his team could go score. Um, There was also a point where I think the game was 7-0, and Missouri was facing a fourth down and, like, manageable. Um, And they came out, and I'm not sure if they were going to snap the ball or not. They got a false start and didn't snap the ball. First of all, I thought they should have snapped the ball. Second of all, even after the false start, I thought they should have gone for it because I've seen this team play enough to know that it did not matter if they got the ball at midfield or at the one, they were going to score. And they did. They went on an 89-yard drive. And I understand going on fourth and seven from your own 42 reeks of desperation. This is a desperate team. I thought they should have gone then. Now, I understand no coach is going to do that. But I think overall, I'm agreeing. I don't like the term given up. I'm not going to accuse Eli of that. But I think he is very much – I think he managed today to not get beat too badly more than he managed it to win. And and I understand why that would upset people. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably too harsh of a term to say he gave up. I mean, they're still – you know, he's still got players out there trying hard and pushing. And I I felt that today – you mentioned that today felt like Tennessee. I didn't feel like that. Tennessee – after they got punched in the mouth, it felt like everyone on the team gave up. Whereas today, even though they were down 21 nothing, they were, they were still able to come back get a score. They, they made it to the point where A&M had to score to keep the lead comfortable. Whereas Tennessee, it was just since they could have stopped scoring after, the second, after midway through the second quarter, and they would have won by still 14, 20 I'm, points. I'm actually – Whereas a&M well, still had to go out and make some plays. Okay, so here's where I'm going to disagree. They got that Tennessee game to 28-10. Tyler Beatty scored. And I remember thinking, hey, if they can get a stop and a score, they can maybe make this interesting. Tennessee went right down. It was 35-10. Today, it was 21 nothing. Missouri scored, made it 21-7. You said, okay, maybe if they can get a stop, A&M scored on the next drive. Defense got a couple stops in the third quarter. Offense did nothing with it. Um, This was the only difference in this game versus Tennessee to me was that A&M was not quite as good from the middle of the second quarter to the middle of the third quarter as Tennessee was. But I just, I'm not up for giving Missouri a bunch of credit for continuing to try because I think that's the bare minimum expectation. 
Well, it is, but we saw a team that stopped trying two weeks ago. So that's fair. I guess if we're going fair. from that to here. Then I'll take improvement where I see it, even though it's not much. But I'd say, kind of in closing here, the bye week couldn't come at a better time. They have yeah. a lot to work on. I think they need to come back, lick their wounds a little bit, try to get a few players' confidence back up because. Yeah. Right now, I mean, they're bad, but you still got to come out believing you can win. And, and coming off a bye, getting to go to Vanderbilt and get a win under your belt before getting thrashed yeah. by Georgia yeah. sure will help. Yeah, you got to win that Vandy game. You don't win that Vandy game, we got all, we got a whole different set of problems. Yeah, that'll be an interesting call if, uh, if, uh, yeah. and an interesting show for you if we don't win the Vandy game. <laughs> no question, Luke. I appreciate the call, man. All right, thank you, Gabe. All right, have a good one. Let's go to the 314 next. Who's there from uh, the 314 area code? Three one four, you still with me? Okay, nobody from the three one four. What about the four one seven area code? Who's there? Hey Gabe, it's Stuart in uh, Springfield. What's up, Stuart? How are you, man? I'm good, thank you. I I, I think people thinking that Drake should get fired is just you know, off their rocker. You're not gonna fire coach after seventeen games. Correct. I think and it's frustration. Yeah. I think what we're angry about, what I'm angry about is, you know, all these schools are getting transfer players. You know, they're able to play immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody we lost, it seems like they're all starting on a winning football team somewhere else. And the ones that we're getting in, drinks, hand-picked transfers, you know, they're no good. They're worse than what we lost. <laughs> I think that's what we're upset about, and that's why there's so much, you know, so many people reaching for, for Drink's neck. You know what I mean? I think that's a fair criticism. The His additions in the transfer portal. Now, I think a Caleb Evans has been pretty good. He, he's not perfect, but, but he's been pretty good. But Blaze Aldridge is a guy who's gotten benched and lost his job. Um, Allie Green is a guy who's bounced between the second and the third string. Mookie Cooper has been hurt and when he's been able to be on the field has been fairly ineffective so I think his his Connor Wood is a guy who came from Montana and I I don't know if he saw snaps today but he's hasn't seen a ton of them um EJ and Doma Ogar came from Oklahoma has barely seen the field so yeah I I think it's fair the transfers to this point have not made a difference and I think that is definitely a fair criticism of him Exactly. So exactly. So I mean, it, if you're just trying to get warm bodies in, wouldn't it make sense to to use those scholars on, on you know, some high school talent that you can actually develop, rather than just I mean, or is that what he's what? just trying to do? Is just you know fill some holes and roll the dice and hey, we're rebuilding and it's okay if we get right off the field every Saturday, but. You know, we got no, warm bodies out there, so no, we're going to be okay. I think, actually, if he was trying to do that, if he was trying to say, hey, this is a full rebuild, then he would have used all high school kids. He wouldn't have taken the transfers he did. I think he took those transfers because he thought they were guys that could help him win games this year. Now he's been wrong. Doesn't that scare you, then? I, I mean, that, it is... his misjudgment on that? Yeah, it's a, like I said, it's I mean, a fair I love, criticism. I love Drake. I love him. I want to keep him. I think he'll be fine getting four years. Give him five. 
I think everything will be okay. But in the meantime, I don't understand his philosophy. Yeah. Um, next year's big. I mean, next year is huge. There have to be big strikes. Because this year, at this point, the best you can do this year is get back to the point where everybody's like, yeah, you are treading water. And that takes beating Vandy, beating South Carolina, and beating Arkansas. And I don't think anybody thinks that's going to happen, and I understand why. But if you do that, you finish 500, and, and you can at least say, hey, we, we stayed we stayed the same. Um, but next year has to be steps forward. I, like you said, nobody's firing a dude after 17 games. He's going to get next year. If he doesn't show signs of progress next year, yes, he's going to go into 2023 coaching at least in some hot water, if not on a hot seat. But, I mean, we're only halfway to that point yet, too, so so it's a premature conversation, obviously. Uh, but, but no, the, the transfers yeah. haven't worked. The junior college kids haven't worked, and it's 100% a fair criticism. It, it's frustrating. So yep. maybe, uh, maybe we get some good news this week in St. Louis. Go put some money in somebody's pocket and bring us back Luther. All right, yeah, on you. <laughs> All right, can thanks, you do Stuart. That for us? Uh, well, I can promise I'm not paying anybody. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> have a great day. Thanks for the show. All right, have a good one. Uh, 940 area code, you there? Yes. <laughs> hey, who am I talking to? Yeah, this, this is Ed. What's up, Ed? Um, two things. One, uh, I really enjoyed watching number 12, Sean Robinson. I thought he played fantastic uh, part of the game, at least. And at least he was really hustling and trying. Yeah. Um, I, he had a very costly pass interference penalty early. And I like Sean, and he's a good kid, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. I have a hard time saying anybody played really well today. I thought Isaiah McGuire started out well. Yeah. That was about it. Yeah, did you see his two two straight tackles for losses in the fourth quarter? Um, honestly, I don't remember it. Come um, on, you got to give him credit. I'll trust you that it happened. Yeah, I I I I may yep. have been setting up for the show by that point. Um, again, I oh. I thought this game was over seven minutes in. I, like I, I'm not trying to rip Sean specifically. Um, you know, I, I think the kid he he's done a lot for this team. He's a great teammate. He's made um, he's made a, a nice switch from offense to defense. He deserves credit for that. I, but I'm I also don't want to go searching for rainbows in the fourth quarter of a game that ended an hour and forty five minutes earlier. If that makes sense. Well, I, I don't agree. He came off the left side of our defensive line, caught the running back in the backfield on two straight plays. Okay. I thought it was really good. And the other thing is I do not understand why in the fourth quarter uh, we didn't have a different quarterback in. I agree. If nothing else, just to get some experience. No, I agree with you. Uh, Drinkwood said Connor's the guy. He gives them the best chance to win, and he's not hurt, and he's going to play him. So, look, you can believe that or not believe that. I tend to not necessarily believe he's not hurt because I saw him limping, but I would have played somebody else, but Drinkwood's quite clearly isn't going to do it. Well, just one one last thing, one last question. What do you think of Connor's uh, accuracy? He missed a lot not of great. throws, a lot of throws high. Uh, he threw two interceptions. Uh, you know, it was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, he didn't play so. well today. He had a lot of company and not playing well. I would have gone to somebody else, and I would have done it in the first half. I agree with you. Take care, Gabe. Thanks. Good All right, show. Ed. Have a good one. Let's uh, let's jump to the eight one six area code. Who's there? Hey, 
Hey, Casey Saltz here. How are you? What's up? How you doing? Good, good. Hey, I, I want to throw something out there. I agree with you that these transfers in from the portal have been a little uh, disappointing. Um, but look at what Kentucky got with Wandale. I mean, that kid was going home, and I forget the names. I apologize. But on the Missouri team, we lost the, the guy on uh, DL. Trey um, Williams and Mark They were going yeah. home. I mean, I don't want to say the other coaches have been lucky or struck gold, but the kid's going home. And I know Mookie's coming back to Missouri. But, you know, I think we've been a little unfortunate in that regard, but I still think we can keep stacking these recruiting classes. I mean, I'm not happy with today's results or this season, but I'm still waiting to see how these recruiting classes stack and where we go from there. My biggest concern, I guess, is, you know, the the defense slash coaching of the defense going forward. But I just want to throw that out there on the transfer. I think we've been a little bit unlucky some of those other transfer, you know, uh, strikes for these other schools like Kentucky and Arkansas were really just, I don't know if the word's fortunate, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, but like uh, the Rosenthal kid on the, de- on the offensive line was from LSU. Will Levis was a Penn State transfer. Kentucky hit their guys. Missouri hasn't hit its guys. Like, lucky, not lucky, whatever it is. I, I mean, that's a fact. Um, but you're right as far as all you can do is wait and see if these next couple, if he, if his recruiting classes turn into results on the field. That's what you got to do. And either they will or they won't. And we'll know in two years if he's the guy. Yep, yep. Thank God we got a bye week. Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> all right, thanks, Casey. Appreciate the call. Let's stay in the 816 area code. You still there with me? Yeah, I'm here. Who am I talking to? This is Rex. What's up, Rex? Yeah, this is Rex. Uh, I just, I'm just on the Steve Wilkes. Uh, do you believe he'll stay here after the two years? I, I, well, I think the bigger question right now is if he's going to get to year two. I mean, I. See that, see, yeah. I don't know, honestly. That's my point. I, yeah, that's my point. I don't believe he's going to. Uh, stay here at all after two years even if we was to keep him so i don't understand uh you know why they're hesitant you know of getting rid of him well i mean they're hesitant uh, because it's been seven games and also because if they fire him they're going to owe him approximately 1.8 million dollars or something like that um, and they just paid a defensive line coach to quit working, and they've been in they've been in the red for the last five years. I mean, that's a hard sell for Eli Drinkwitz to go to a new AD and say, "Hey, I need you to give me two million dollars to fire two guys I just hired seven months ago or nine months ago or whatever it was." That's a tough sell, man. And also, again, it's been seven games, and I, we can all come to some agreement that it's not a hundred percent coaching and it's not a hundred percent talent where you fall on that spectrum depends on, on your point of view. Um, but Drinkwitz, I think is, I don't know. I think he's going to give Wilkes the year. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure of it. Um, I think it's less likely he's here at the end of the year than it was before today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I only had one other thing is uh, I don't understand not playing uh, like in the second half uh, the other running backs. Yep. Because next year, Beatty's gone. And, uh, you know, we're going to be up the creek. 
Yeah. If, you know, if we don't get some of these guys playing. Yeah, I mean, Michael Cox had two carries for 24 yards today. He was the only backup running back. Elijah Young, I don't know. I'm just assuming at some point soon we're going to see his name in the transfer portal because he doesn't play anymore. B.J. Harris played last week. Now he didn't play at all this week. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I agree with you. I think more guys should be getting experience, not just at running back, but at a lot of positions because this game was over in the second half. Like, there was a chance to play other guys. Um, I would do it. He didn't do it. He's the no. coach. I'm not. Yes. I just one other thing. I think Horn can uh, maybe bring in some competition that we uh, we really need. Yeah, Horn. And uh, Tyler back room next year. Tyler Macon, Brady Cook. Look, I but I think it's an open job next spring. I don't think there's any question about it. Um, three weeks ago, I wouldn't have said that, but at this point. Connor Bazelak, he's not the biggest part of the problem, but he's a part of the problem. And, uh, like, at this, I think he's the starting quarterback the rest of this year, but going forward, hey, if somebody can come in and yeah. beat him out in spring ball, then they're going to get every chance to do it. Well, I appreciate it, Gabe. All right, Rex, I appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. All right, uh, we'll talk to you, you Rex. I, do we have somebody else from the 816 on the line, or is that it? Okay, that's uh, we've got the line clear now. So if you do want to call in, the line is clear, 573-234-4935. I think everybody's kind of in the same place here, right? We're, we're trying to assess blame, and some of it goes to the players, some of it goes to the coaches, some probably goes to the scheme. Nobody's getting fired today. Well, I shouldn't say that. Eli Drinkwitz is not getting fired today. I'm not going to guarantee you that Steve Wilkes isn't. I don't know. It's possible. Um, I mean, today didn't do anything to convince me that, that they've got the right guy and they're running the right scheme. But we, we've hit a point where we want somebody to pay with his job every time something some doesn't go right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, right? Um, I think we are waiting for next year, and we are waiting for the year after that, and it sucks. Nobody likes to do that. But this guy is recruiting at a level that hasn't been done here before, and so you're go he's going to get the chance to coach his guys and see if he can turn them into a good team. Um, Firing him today doesn't make any more sense than the people who four months ago wanted to give him a lifetime contract because he had a top 20 recruiting class. And there were those people. And if those people say they didn't want that, they are liars. There were those people they were posting on our board. It was dumb. It's every bit as dumb to say that he should be fired today. I mean, it's, you know, there's middle ground here. And I know that's a, a, a hard – like, here's, I think, the hard thing for Missouri fans. You started the season with hopes that maybe – like, even if you weren't a person that thought, hey, they can win the East and they can win nine or ten games, even if you just thought, hey, this can be an eight-win team and they can show me significant progress from last year. That was dead for you four weeks into the season, and then it was absolutely dead five weeks into the season after the Tennessee game. Progress was gone after the Tennessee game. You weren't playing for anything meaningful. You're, the only thing at that point was, I don't know, can we scrape together six wins and play in the quick lane bowl? 
And that's no fun, right? I get it. And and on a smaller scale, two of the last three games have been that way. These games have been over in the first quarter. So you're sitting there and you're watching for another two and a half hours, but you know it's over. I did this on Sunday night with the with the Chiefs. Like I knew that game was over at halftime. But I said, well, there's only 17 of them, so I'm going to watch the whole thing. And the result was I was exhausted the next day. And, you know, I was mad at myself for doing it. And that's where you've been with this team, not only in games, but in the course of a season. And it's a very frustrating place to be as a fan where they have taken your hope away very, very, very early. Um, And like I said at the beginning of this show, this game was over seven minutes in. I don't really care what happened in the last 53 minutes. I, you can't sell me on, but it was 14-14 for the last 45 minutes. Yeah, but it was only 14-14 for the last 45 minutes because the first 15 were so uncompetitive that the last 45 didn't even matter. So let's go to the uh, phones again. Let's go to the 573 area code. Dave, it's Brett. How you doing? Hey, Brett. What's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Just back, got back from the game. Um, so a question for you. Uh, obviously, the Wilkes hire does seem a little uh, – doesn't seem like it's going to work out. Yeah, it's very if questionable. We're gonna, if we're going to let him go, would it have to be this week? I mean, if you're going to put somebody in, I don't know how much of a scheme change you can make, but would yeah. you give somebody two weeks to kind of do something? I mean, after this, really, if you let him go, what's going to change? You know, I, I don't know how – uh, somebody that's already coaching the system does anything different. Yeah, if, I don't know your on that. if a move is going to be made midseason, I would expect it is made tomorrow or Monday. Um, if he's the defensive coordinator on Tuesday morning, I think he's probably the defensive coordinator the rest of the year because at that point you're two-thirds of the way through the season. And like you said, I mean, hey, there's a bye week. Now, if a move is made midseason – they're just hiring an interim guy. I assume it's going to be Charlie Harbison would be the interim defensive coordinator. It's not like they're going and bringing Gene Chizik out of the SEC Network studio or bringing Will Muschamp off Georgia's staff to to come coordinate the defense. If they fire Wilkes, make no make no mistake, it is an internal promotion to an interim DC for the rest of this season. Which is why, you know, is that worth it? I I don't know. Does it change? Like I don't think you're gonna change the whole scheme or, you know, maybe a new defensive coordinator. I mean, they fired the defensive line coach. That obviously made, you know, a ton of difference. Um, But if they fire the defensive coordinator, one of the guys on this staff is going to be in charge of the defense, and he might do something kind of like, okay, this guy and this guy, you're not playing anymore, and you're replaced by that guy and that guy. But it's not like they're going to go from a 4-2-5 to to the 46 defense overnight or anything. Yeah, that's my thought too. I just, I guess it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if anything happens Monday. I, yeah, I, I'd like to hire in the off season. Um, I just, I, some of these running plays where there's, I mean, you can see ten yards of daylight. It's crazy, and uh, and I, I do think there's a talent uh, deficiency, but I, you know, I think it's a little of both. So. Yeah, you and me are we'll on see. the same I'm, page. I mean, it's, it's not that they're, it's not just the yards they're giving up. It's that in a game of two hand touch, Missouri would give up twenty one points. It's crazy, right? Yeah. All right. I love the show, Gabe. I really appreciate it, man. All right, Brett. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate you being a part of it. And uh, if you guys want to call in, certainly uh, feel free. You know, um, I, I, I think a lot of people are kind of thinking, well, yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, like there's only so many ways to assess this and break it down, right? 
Um, Missouri got run off its home field for the second time in two SEC games. So far this year, they've beaten Central Michigan by 10, SEMO by I don't remember how many and don't really care, and North Texas by 13. They're 0-3 in the SEC. They've only been competitive in one of them. They lost to an ACC team. It was in overtime. They were close. And so how different does this season look if they make one more play against Kentucky or if they make one more play against BC or maybe even both, right? It looks a lot different. But it's like last year, nobody wanted to acknowledge how different does last year look if they don't make one play against LSU and they don't make one play against Arkansas. I mean, that's the difference between, you know, a good season and a bad one is two to four plays. And... Missouri hasn't made those plays. And the disappointing thing is in the last two losses, they haven't even been close, guys. These games have been over, like legitimately over midway through the first quarter. I, it is very, very difficult to be seven minutes into a football game and the game's over. But it was today. I mean, it just, at 14 nothing, there was no chance. It was over, you know? Um, and that's, it's tough to watch. It's uh, I'm sure it's tough to be a part of, you know, um, but I want to roll through while we've got a break. And, and again, I'll leave the phone number up, actually. If you guys want to call in, um, feel free to call in. So I'm going to get that number back on the screen. But I want to roll through some of the comments. Uh, Michael's asking, are the decisions different with a new athletic director now in charge? Eventually, maybe. But Eli Drinkwitz is not getting fired this year. I mean, he's just not. Desiree Reed Francois is not going to fire him today. Zero, I mean, or this season. There's zero chance he gets fired at the end of this year. It would be idiotic if he got fired at the end of this year. I, I just, and I'll tell you right now, if she fires him, I'm going to write a column saying she's terrible at her job. But she's not going to fire him, and I'm not going to have to write that column. Um, so, no, not after this year. And almost certainly not after next year. Now, again, there are things that can change that, right? NCAA violations, or if he's four and eight this year and three and nine next year, maybe we're having a different conversation. But he's going to be here, you know, um, for at least this season and two more. And then at the end of four years, we can kind of make an assessment of where he stands and if he needs to get year five. Let's go back to uh, the 309 area code. Who am I talking to? Yeah, this is Dave. What's up, Dave? How you doing, man? Oh, not too bad. Hey, I, I got a I got a question, and I, I tend to agree with you, Gabe. Um, the the defense has gotten so much worse at this point from with this new coordinator, and I can yep. see him being gone. But the other the other point or the other question that I would have is with all those recruits that were in the stands, he wasn't willing to play any of his new recruits that he got this current year. When is he going to ever do that? And why would anybody that's sitting there in the stands want to come if he's not even get a shot to play? Yeah, I mean, he played. You know, he, Makai Wingo started. Dominic Lovett played, scored a touchdown. Um, some of the trans, a lot of the transfers. So he did play some of them. It's not like he threw them all out there. But I understand what you're saying. I would have liked to see some more young guys against Tennessee in today. But maybe he just says, "Hey, they're not ready, and I'm not going to set their confidence back by throwing them out there, and we're just going to suffer through this year, and it's going to be what it's going to be." I guess. But, but I understand the, the concern. Position. Yeah. 
No, I understand the concern. I would have liked to see a different quarterback get a shot at some point. Um, I would have liked to see a couple different guys get a shot. But like I said, he's he's made his decision. He's the coach, and I'm not. And uh, I can disagree with it, but that that's that's what he's going to do. Well, then from that standpoint, I would make this comment. Then you just got to ride it out for four or five years and let him try to build his own program. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. But you know what? But no one's going to want to hear, probably. Yeah, no, he gets at least four years. I mean, that's that's the truth. I don't think there's any question about it. He he gets four years, and we'll see where it goes after that. All right, I appreciate it, and thanks for the show, Gabe. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate the call, Dave. All right, I think uh, I think we were there were a couple other people trying to call in. I'm not sure what happened. Please uh, please feel free to call back. Um, not sure what was going on there um, with with the the system, uh, but I think a couple of you were trying to get in and it didn't work. So if you're still trying, give me a call back. Um, no no problems there. Uh, Justin wants me to be the defensive coordinator. Nope, couldn't tell you why the defense is no good. Couldn't fix it. Don't want the job. Want the salary. Don't want the job. Um, so, yeah, it, again, uh, if you're out there and you want to call, feel free to call, but I'm going to I'm gonna try to uh, go through some – here we go. Let's, uh, let's go to the 785 area code. Who am I talking to from somewhere around Manhattan, Kansas? Hey, Gabe, this is Corey from uh, – actually, I'm in Topeka, Kansas. Okay, what's up, Corey? How you doing, man? All right, so – I've played football in my life, played football in college. Mm -hmm. I think we're putting too much focus on the past. Missouri's always had a good defense under Pinkle and, you know, Cool and all them. Um, always had a crazy, stupid, high-scoring offense. Even whenever we had a crappy defense, we've always had a high-scoring offense. Do you think a lot of people are replaying the past, trying to compensate for what, basically, because we play crappy all the way around right now. <laughs> right. Uh, either. <laughs> I, I, I think, I mean, I are, are you asking maybe if the defense – isn't as bad as we're making it out to be because it's just not as good as it used to be. Is that, is that what you're saying? No, we have a horrible defense. Okay. Okay. But we're also, <laughs> we're also used to putting up having, you know, yeah, there's been years where we've had amazing defense, you know, top 10 in the nation, but the years that we've also had crappy defenses, we've all, we put up, you know, he scored enough 40 right. points a game. Yeah. I, I think, kinda, you know, kind of help us on the defense. Yeah. I, I think that these last couple of games, at least in the sec, like we're focusing on the defense and may, I think today changed it a little bit, but maybe we haven't paid quite enough attention to, Hey, the offense isn't great either. It's just, it's better than the defense, so it's kind of getting a pass. I, I agree with that. Um, but there are problems offensively, too, and Drinkwitz has been pretty clear about saying that. And we've seen him. I mean, 
they're throwing again. They get the ball back with a minute and a half to go and three timeouts, and they're running the ball because they don't have any confidence they can go down the field and score. You know, so yeah, the the offense is a problem too. It's not as big a problem as the defense, but it is part of the problem. There's no question. Corey, you still there, man, or did I lose you? Oh yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. So just, that's that's where I'm at. I agree with you mostly. I think. And, you know, everybody, I have to go against you because I know you wanted Bazelak out of the game. Yeah. But uh, the kid can clearly play. Everybody has a crappy game. Everybody, he's not, that's not going to be his only crappy game. Right. But he's, you know, we got Macon, four-star kid, elite 11 quarterback, but... He's a third-string guy. Everybody wants him in. He's a straight-up. Anywhere else, in, you know, he's going to be third-string, you know, 90% of the schools he went to, at least second-string. I mean, right now, yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we can't rush him, put him in the game, and then we got – more issues because now it's confidence as well. Right, right. And, and I want to be so. clear. I'm not calling for Basilak to lose his job and be benched for good. I just thought today it was pretty clear pretty early on he didn't have it and Missouri wasn't going to win. So I thought this was a chance to get somebody else out there and give them a shot. And even if you go to Connor and say, look, man, you're my starter next week as long as you're healthy. It's just not really working today. So we're going to go another direction and get this other guy, whether that's Brady Cook or Tyler Macon or Tommy Locke or Jack Samsel, I don't really care. I would have just given somebody else a shot today, even if it's not going to turn things around today, but just give give Bazelak a half off because, again, I don't think he's the number one problem with this team. I don't think he's in the top five of the problems with this team. But that's a move you can make to maybe get yourself a little bit of a spark for a day, and I thought it was maybe worth it. All right, so, Corey, appreciate the call, man. Thanks for being part of the show. Um, and, and again, like Connor Bazelak is starting for me at quarterback next week. I want to be clear about that. I'm not trying to bench the kid. I don't think Missouri does have a better option. Now, that's based on pretty limited knowledge, but I've seen some practice. I've seen Brady Cook and Tyler Macon probably more than most people watching this show have. I think Basilak's their their best quarterback right now. I don't know if he'll be their best quarterback next year or the year after that, but I think he is right now. I just would have given somebody else a look today. Um, that That's all I'm, I'm really trying to say. Um, you know, and, and people can disagree, and that's fine. Um, Michael brings up a point, great coaches show improvement in the second year. I mean, sometimes, yeah. I Look, I, I'm going to go back. Maybe maybe on Monday I'm actually going to go back and look at, like, year two for some guys that ended up succeeding and see how that compares to year one. But I know, like Gary Barnett has said, I had this discussion with Stephen St. John on the radio last week. Gary Barnett has said oftentimes the second year is the toughest year. Um, because you come in year one with no expectations and nobody knows what to expect, and then you kind of set some expectations, and year two is, is oftentimes a lot harder. And that has certainly been the case uh, right now for for uh, for Drinkwitz. I don't think there's any question there. Um, Georgia is going to beat Mizzou by 70. Yes, they certainly could. Apparently that's 14 nothing. 
Uh, heard during the broadcast that Mizzou has had only two years that we've had a winning record in the SEC. Yeah, that's right. Um, first two years. Seven and one, and then I think six and two. And since then, Missouri has not been better than four and four in the SEC. So that's 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. This will be the seventh straight year, assuming they don't go five and zero oh from here on out. And I'm pretty sure they're not going to. So that is accurate. Um, everyone keeps clamoring for Macon over Cook. I've thought Cook looks sharper than Macon in the limited time we've seen both of them. Look, at, that's about recruiting stars. I mean, that, that's the truth. And, and it's maybe about some people who saw saw Macon in high school, too. And Macon may be better than Cook. I'm not saying he's not, but I tend to agree. I haven't seen anything that, that proves to me he definitely is. Um, Drink seems too pragmatic to let anyone bring him down. Why the loyalty to Basilak? Too focused on the defensive problems, really? Look, maybe he's looking to not create a quarterback controversy, right? Because... I, I truly, again, I think Basilak gives this team the best chance to win today. So maybe he, he thinks that too, and he's looking at it and saying, all I'm going to do if I play Cook or Macon is just create this thing that doesn't need to be created. I, I think that's possible. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Um, let's see. Anything else? Uh I think we've we've at least caught up on a lot of the questions that have been here recently. So, uh, yeah, guys, I I mean, this feels a little Groundhog Day-ish, right? Um, we all saw it. We all had a long time to process it because it was over at, I mean, the game started at 11. It was over at 1130. Um, so it, it feels a little bit like we're just saying, uh, yeah, I, we all saw the same thing. And uh, it's not getting fixed this year. Now, it, it can improve this year. You need to come out. You need to beat Vandy in two weeks. And then you need to survive against Georgia. I, I, you need to compete against Florida. You need to beat South Carolina. And then you need to take your chances against Arkansas to try to get to 6-6. Six and six. And, and, again, I understand if you're watching this why you're saying, shut up, that's not going to happen. I understand. I'm just painting the that's kind of the yellow brick road here, right? You beat Vandy, you beat South Carolina, you don't get run out completely out of the stadium against Georgia and Florida, and then you go take your shot at Arkansas and who knows. Um, that's the goal. It's all that's left that can be salvaged. It's not where anybody wanted to be, least of all, I'm sure, Eli Drinkwitz and, and everybody in that room. Um, today was bad, and I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. I, I think, I think I actually think it was worse than a lot of you think it was. Uh, to be truthful, um, so I'm gonna have a, a column that probably will be up on the site within half an hour. Mitch and Joel will have stuff from the stadium. Um, we'll have have plenty more coverage tomorrow morning. Missouri's three and four, and it gets a week off, and we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, is it possible they make a move at defensive coordinator this week? Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it's possible tomorrow or Monday. I don't know that. Um, if it doesn't happen tomorrow or Monday, I don't think it's going to happen this year. But I do think it's possible. Um, so we will follow that the next couple days. We'll have all kinds of coverage. Uh, we're going to try to be in touch with as many of the recruits that were here this weekend as we can. We're going to East St. Louis on Tuesday evening to cover Luther Burden's announcement. And that could lift a whole bunch of spirits here in just, you know, 72 hours or so. 
So that's where we're at. I really do appreciate you guys being a part of this. Uh, this show only works if you guys are watching and you guys kind of are a part of it and make it go. Um, it doesn't work with me sitting here talking to myself for an hour and 25 minutes. So uh, I, I like doing this. It gives me a chance to kind of process and hear what you guys are thinking before I, I write a lot of my post-game stuff. And I think that's helpful. And I think that helps our coverage on the site. So keep an eye out for what Mitch and Joel have. And uh, hey, it's only 3.52. There's a lot of good football left to watch on TV today. Go get yourself some Boulevard. Boulevard Brewing Company uh, sponsors this show each and every week. They've got all kinds of beer. I'm preferable to the Space Camper and the Tank 7, but they've got a lot of other good stuff. They've got the Fling Cocktails. They've got the Cork Seltzer. Uh, all of that is, uh, is good stuff to help you drown your sorrows for the next few hours uh, before Chiefs football team tomorrow at noon or whatever other football team you might be watching. So appreciate you guys being a part of it. Um, plenty more to come on the site. Uh, we will have this up as a podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure to leave us a five-star review, make some nice comments, share the show. If you're watching here live on video or on the video replay, give us a thumbs up while you're watching, subscribe to the channel and join us. Uh, we got streaming stuff every day, all week, uh, and will during the bye week too. So thanks for being a part of it, guys. Missouri, once again, a 35-14 loser to A&M. Off this week at 3 and 4, licking their wounds back for Vandy in two weeks, and we will talk to you another time.